Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mile High Bite Show, your home for clips, news, bloopers, and more from the Mile High Flight Show team. I'm your host, Ryan Marinholtz, and let's jump right into this. So, due to some technical difficulties, the Flight Show and the Fight Show won't make their usual time slot this week, so we figured we can at least do our breakdowns for you guys uh, in our new Mile High Bite Show format, and then catch us next weekend as we go for a doubleheader and hit episode 21 and 22. With that said, let's break down the Packers. So, first of all, obviously, you know, their GM, Brian Gutekunst, and then their head coach, Matt LaFleur. Uh, you know, we've had this Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers debacle uh, over the last couple years at this point. Um, you know, will he, won't he, will he come to a different team, potentially even Denver? Um, and a lot of that was spurred on by the drafting of Jordan Love in 2020, where they literally, Brian Gutekunst traded up into the first round uh, to select Jordan Love, who just really has not panned out to this point, um, with Aaron Rodgers still in the roster. And, you know, obviously, like in a perfect world, and I think in older football, that was kind of more of an acceptable thing to do, you know. Um, but I think in this era of player empowerment where uh, players feel they have the right and they should have the right because, you know, football has been archaic in the past with the way that it treats players uh, with contracts and things like that. And uh, before free agency, you were just kind of SOL. The team had your number. They could do whatever the fuck they wanted with it. And if you wanted to go to a different team, good luck with that. If you, you know, like if you had an issue with your team, your option is to retire or just deal with it. So we're in a completely different era now. And I think that, um, you know, that Jordan Love drafting in this era just rubbed Aaron Rodgers the wrong way. Um, and so he really had to see that commitment from the Packers and uh, he did get that commitment in a, a contract there and it looks like everything is now uh, honky-dory after that whole debacle but overall when you look at their history um, as far as Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur you know Gutekunst has been solid at drafting um, at least defensively you know missing some spots wide receiver wise that a lot of fans are looking for um, he's been solid with the offensive line so uh, and then these guys just got an extension, too. Um, but Matt LaFleur, obviously one of the young, up-and-coming minds of the NFL, uh, coming off that McVay tree. And, um, yeah, I mean, so far, so good for him. Obviously, it's a little hard to tell exactly how good a coach is when he has a probable Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, you know, sitting behind center for him. There's always that little bit of question. But I think at this point, a few years in, it's pretty clear uh, that Matt LaFleur is a great play caller and uh, a very smart mind in the NFL. So we can go ahead and move on to their draft class here. Their very first pick, uh, round one, number 22, Quay Walker, a linebacker out of Georgia. Um, and yeah, I mean, talking about those wide receiver woes, a lot of uh, fans, including myself, were kind of looking for them to take a wide receiver, especially when you talk about the uh, exit of Devontae Adams in the offseason. Um, alongside a couple other wide receivers. so But they did not. They went with uh, the blue chip talent from Georgia, linebacker. Um, not, necess not necessarily the top linebacker on everyone's board, but a, a top linebacker and expected to be a great talent for these Packers. Uh, their second pick here, first round, number 28, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle out of Georgia. And to be honest with you, uh, you know, I, I understand it's six picks later than the other one, but I feel like this is the bigger first-round pick for me looking at this draft. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, 
you know, obviously another great talent uh, on, on that absolutely stacked Georgia team last year. And, um, yeah, I mean, he is, uh, you know, you had a couple players coming off that Georgia line. He, uh, he had a nose tackle that went over to the Eagles there. But Devontae Wyatt is more of your uh, prototypical rushing defensive tackle. He's a little bit lighter. Um, he can get to the quarterback, and he can do some things in the run. Um, and he's going to be a really, really solid player. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to see what the Packers can do with him, especially given their uh, good history with defensive players. Then, in the second round, they finally go wide receiver, taking Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. I know uh, Enrique and I talked about this post-draft. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're both fans of Christian Watson. He's a, a very raw talent, but he's tall. He's athletic. Um, he's had some drop issues. But things that are workable and things that can uh, he can grow into in the NFL game. So, you know, we'll talk about their wide receiver room a little bit later. Um, and he has the potential and the talent, certainly, to be the number one wide receiver in that room with how it looks right now. But I think that he's so raw coming into his rookie year that that's probably not going to be the case. But I will be uh, hopeful to see how much production we can see out of him. Their next pick, round three, number 92, Sean Ryan, an offensive lineman out of UCLA. Uh, yeah, a solid guy, long arms, a little bit of a shorter, stouter body. Um, and the Packers, historically, at least with this regime, have drafted primarily uh, players that have played in at tackle in college and that they feel are going to be able to be moldable to play multiple different positions on the line uh, and particularly move inside Uh, because a lot of times you look at these tackles coming out of college and they may not necessarily have what it takes to be like a starting tackle in the NFL which is kind of the case with Sean Ryan he has that potential but it's more likely that he would be a better player for longer moving into that uh, inside offensive line. And, uh, yeah, I you know, I have no doubt with the coaches these Packers have that uh, given their history of developing offensive linemen in that fashion, uh, that we'll, we'll see Sean Ryan's name uh, somewhere on the starting line at some point, for sure. Round four, 132, another wide receiver, Romeo Dubs, wide receiver out of Nevada. Uh, more of a speed pick. I like this guy. I'll, I'll be interested to see what he can do as well. Um, speed definitely something that the Packers were lacking in that wide receiver room, uh, you know, after some of their losses this offseason. And then next pick, round four, 140, Zach Tom, offensive lineman out of Wake Forest. Uh, you know, very similar situation with Sean Ryan, somebody who likely won't necessarily play tackle, but could, um, but more likely to play on the inside offensive line. Round five, 179, Kingsley Enagbare. Sorry about butchering that edge out of South Carolina. Uh, And yeah, I mean, at this point in the draft, you're looking at solid depth pieces uh, that could potentially turn into something. Uh, You know, Anagbari is technically a linebacker, but he has more talent in terms of rushing. So he's more likely to be used as a straight edge uh, at the next level. So yeah, we'll have to see. He could be potentially a um, special teams target as well. And then four around seven picks, the first of which is... Uh, number 228, Tariq Carpenter, a safety slash inside linebacker out of Georgia Tech. And uh, yeah, so Tariq Carpenter played all four years of his college career as safety, but he does have a little bit of a, a larger body for that and in the NFL may not be able to necessarily do that. Um, I would be excited to see him. Obviously, I think initially, 
he's going to be more of a special teams guy. But if he can work his way into depth and potentially a starting position later on, um, his body type fits very well for that like tight end covering nickelback uh, kind of role. And so I would be interested to see exactly how he ends up getting used. Um, I think you have potential bodies on this Packers team that can fit that role already, so it's not like they're in dire need of that uh, necessarily. But, you know, the more players you can have to do that, the, the better, especially with it being such an important role in the modern NFL. Next pick, round 7, 234. Jonathan Ford, defensive tackle out of Miami. And, yeah, I mean, another depth pick. Hopefully they can develop this guy uh, out of Miami. Uh, we just have to see there. Round 7, 249, Rashid Walker, another offensive tackle out of Penn State. I love how many offensive linemen uh, the Packers are getting. I think this is what almost every team's draft board should look like, at least two or three offensive linemen in there somewhere um, and go and develop them. You know, you don't necessarily have to, again, you look at the success of this Packers team, uh, Packers offensive line over the last few years, you do not necessarily have to fill it with blue chip talent. Is that a valid way of doing that? Yes. I mean, you look at the Saints, you look at the Cowboys, some of those teams who have been able to get their hands on uh, first-round tackles and first-round inside offensive linemen and uh, develop them, and they have very, very productive lines. But the Packers you know, may not be like the number one offensive line in the league consistently, but if you can get very solid production and, most importantly, very solid uh, depth and all of those guys being able to have uh, you know, a lot of uh, ability to move around the line and um, be able to do different things, that's huge. That's absolutely huge for your offensive line, especially when, uh, you know, you see offensive line dropping, uh, offensive linemen dropping like flies throughout the season. So the more people you can have that are not only effective at whatever, whatever position they're playing, but that can play multiple positions, uh, obviously the better for this Packers team. Then their next and final pick, round 7, 258, Samori Toure, wide receiver out of Nebraska. And yeah, I mean, again, you love to see another wide receiver on the board there. Um, we'll have to see what exactly Toure can turn into, um, but most likely a special teams pick this far down, at least initially, um, and we'll see what he can develop. Now moving on to the Packers' key departures this offseason. First of all, Zadarius Smith, an edge and, uh, I mean, yeah, that kind of speaks for itself. One of your best players on the entire roster um, with all the, the contracts being handed out. Uh, There's a couple players they just couldn't afford to keep. And, unfortunately, Zedari Smith was one of them. Um, and he, he went over to the Vikings as well. Uh, so that'll be kind of fun. And then Devontae Adams, wide receiver. He played 79% of the snaps for this Packers team. Obviously goes and reunites with Derek Carr uh, over in uh, Las Vegas there. And then Billy Turner, offensive tackle, played 72%. He came over to the Denver Broncos, came back over to the Denver Broncos, I should say. Um, and yeah, I mean, a really solid swing tackle, like we were just talking about the uh, ability to uh, move around the line. Billy tackle is the epitome of that. Um, he can play outside tackle on both sides. He can play guard. I'm sure if you asked him to play center, he could probably figure it out. I don't know that he've, he's done that yet. But, I mean, you know, that's that's the name of the game, uh, next man up. And Billy Turner's done a really great job of that throughout his career. And definitely it's been interesting to see, although he's injured at the moment, and I'm excited to see what Billy Turner can do with the Broncos this year. Uh, so far already with his career in the Packers, it's been interesting to watch his progression as a player. Because um, he was a swing tackle for the Denver Broncos, but 
his uh, time over there with the Packers coaches, it really does show you, uh, you know, how good they are at their jobs, uh, to be honest with you, to see his progression and how much better he's gotten um, and how much more solid he looks uh, at every position he plays. So, yeah, a good player that uh, this Packers team unfortunately lost, but they did add some uh, offensive linemen to hopefully take his spot there. Next up, Kevin King, a cornerback, 28% of the snaps. Obviously not the top cornerback on the roster, um, but a solid one nonetheless. And in a cornerback-hungry league, you know, you never want to lose those guys. Uh, Another corner here, Chandon Sullivan, played 76%. Uh, You know, obviously same situation there. Not your top guy, um, but anybody that you have, you know, comfortability with, uh, it's always better if you can to keep them. Then Lucas Patrick, an offensive lineman, uh, 81% of the snaps. Another pretty big loss here on that line. And another guy uh, that can move around that line as well. And went over to the Chicago Bears. A couple of these players going over to division rivals in free agency, which, you know, I, I don't know if that that uh, says a little something or if that's just was the best situation for them. But uh, a little interesting, a little note. Uh, then Dennis Kelly, another offensive lineman, a uh, tackle in particular. I believe he went over to the Colts, uh, played 27%. Tyler Lancaster, inside defensive lineman, 27%. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown, wide receiver, played 26% of the snaps. Kingsley Kiki, inside defensive lineman, 36%. And then Marcus Valdez-Scantling, wide receiver, 40%. And uh, yeah, I mean, you look at that wide receiver room, you lost three of them and uh you know again apart from obviously Devonte adams is your best guy but the other two are not necessarily um the top of the roster guys and so you're not totally hurting but that was definitely a position of need coming uh into this draft uh and this offseason after losing all those guys so that is going to do it for the key departures and we can move right on to the roster first of all quarterback obviously anti-vaxxer Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, what, what else is there to say? F- future Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, great quarterback, you know, I mean, has taken this team uh, beyond necessarily what people expect them to uh, for years now, and I mean, I think the last couple years you can make an argument they should have been in the Super Bowl. Uh, you look at this roster compared to some of the other, uh, you know, competing teams, Aaron hasn't necessarily had quite as much to work with as some of those other guys. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, not making excuses. Like, if he is that good of a quarterback, he should be able to bring them to another Super Bowl. But uh, you got to look at those critical defensive failures at times. uh, And then, you know, things happen. Um, So is this the year for the Packers? We'll just have to see going through this roster uh, if they could be good enough. Uh, Keep it moving here. The next quarterback we talked about, Jordan Love got drafted in 2020. Uh, Some rumors that he's actually progressing quite a bit in camp this year, going into his third year. Um, But yeah, for now, uh, this is just the backup, and uh, we'll have to see exactly what his future will end up being, whether the Packers, uh, you know, still commit to him post-Aaron Rodgers, um, or at that point, uh, depending on how long Aaron Rodgers plays, Jordan Love may end up leaving in free agency before uh, Aaron retires. So we will see. Behind them, Danny Etling. And then running back room, Aaron Jones, obviously one of the better uh, running backs in the league. A.J. Dillon, a very solid backroom partner. And then Kylan Hill, who's on the pup list at the moment, and Patrick Taylor. Wide receiver, Sammy Watkins, 
came over from Baltimore this offseason. Um, yeah, I mean, as a secondary Baltimore fan, Sammy Watkins is fine. He's he's past that point in his career, in my personal opinion. Um, and I think he still does have some to offer you. Uh, it's kind of similarly in a Randall Cobb mold where like they have just enough ability that a good veteran quarterback uh, can probably take advantage of their skills. Um, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily expect him to be like the top contributor uh, this year for this room. Behind him, Alan Lazard, who will probably end up taking that wide receiver one spot, provided he plays well enough. Um, and then Randall Cobb, you know, just talked about him, veteran you brought in, uh, that Aaron is very comfortable with, um, and he's still on the roster here. And then Christian Watson, your rookie from round two, number 34. Uh, he is on the pup list at the moment. Um, so, the, you know, that's obviously going to uh, hamper his ability to learn and to grow um, as a rookie player that's so raw and needs a lot of learning and growing. Um, so we'll have to see uh, exactly how much time he ends up missing. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't necessarily expect him to be the number one contributor in his first year, but he has the talent to be able to be that guy eventually. And then Romeo Dubs, another rookie, round forward 132. Uh, behind them, Amari Rogers and Jawan uh, Winfrey, a former Bronco who also went to CU, by the way. And then round seven, uh, Samori Toure, your wide receiver as well. Then moving on to tight end, your number one guy, Robert Tunyon, on the pup list, unfortunately. Um, I might be wrong, but I think that that is from his recovery of the injury that he uh, sustained last year, last season. And so I believe he's going to be ready for the beginning of the season. Uh, but, you know, either way, that's a question mark at the moment. Uh, behind him, Mercedes, uh, Mercedes Lewis, you know, the old vet still sticking around. And then Josiah Duguara. Um, and this is an okay room. Robert Tanyan is a great player. Uh, you want to make sure that he's healthy and, and playing has full capability. Um, but if he misses some time in the uh, beginning of the season, you know, a, a room that looks like Mercedes Lewis and Josiah Deguara is probably not good enough. Um, so I would expect, you know, like I think that the point where you would be concerned about how much time Tanyan would be missing is if this uh, Packers team brings in a, uh, you know, solid free agent uh, veteran tight end that can take some snaps pretty quickly. And then moving into that offensive line, left tackle, David Bakhtiari, obviously, uh, you know, one of their better players, probably the best player on their offensive line, uh, but he is on the pup list at the moment. Behind him, Yash Nijman, and then Rashid Walker, your rookie from seventh round to uh, number 249. Left guard, John Runyon. Then Sean Ryan, your rookie, round 392. And then George Moore is an uh, undrafted free agent in that room. Center, Josh Myers, Michael Minette, and then Cole Schneider is an undrafted free agent. Right guard, Royce Newman, and then Jake Hansen. And then right tackle, you're looking at Elgton Jenkins, who is also on the pump at the moment, unfortunately. Zach Tom, your rookie, number uh, round four, number 140. And then Cole Van Lennon. And uh, yeah, so let's take a second and uh, just look at this offense. So obviously you got quarterback taken care of. Running back room looks really solid. Uh, you got those two uh, guys at the top there. Wide receiver room, I think that's where my concerns start to come in. Um, you know, Sammy Watkins leading out that room. Obviously, again, Aaron Rodgers probably going to be able to, to, you know, if anybody's going to be able to uh, take advantage of his skill set at this point in his career, 
probably Aaron Rodgers or one of those older veteran smart quarterbacks. Um, so we'll have to see exactly what he can do. Alan Lazard has shown some in the past, and he's definitely going to need to take that next step now. Uh, you know, Cobb on the downturn of his career as well. Um, so it's really going to be up to Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, and Romeo Dubs if they want to be uh, the future, you know, top three of this wide receiver room. Um, and we'll just have to see how that plays out for each one of them. Uh, like I said, Christian Watson and probably not Romeo Dubs either as a rookie. I, I don't expect to necessarily have a huge impact. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out in camp and uh, how those guys can cement themselves, especially in a wide receiver needy room. If these guys can show out early, you know, the spot's probably theirs. And then looking at offensive line, you know, obviously you look at David Bakhtiari and then Elton Jenkins on that pop list, um, but provided they're healthy uh, by the beginning of the season there, you know, you got a really solid offensive line here overall. Um, your starters in the in the inside being John Runyon, Josh Myers, and Royce Newman. Um, and I, I will be interested to see how, depending on Elton Jenkins, and it's going to depend on the rookie tackles that they brought in, um, in Zach Tom and uh, Sean Ryan, whether that they can uh, find a spot on that outside right tackle spot, because in technicality, uh, that's open right now. Um, you know, they have Elkton Jenkins there because he has plenty of past experience at that spot, uh, but he's primarily a guard. And so if you can put Elkton back in his, uh, you know, primary spot, and then you can bring in one of these young guys, if they show enough uh, into that tackle spot, then, uh, you know, that'll be really solid for you long term. Otherwise, I more expect Elgin, uh, Elkton Jenkins to stay on right tackle, at least maybe this year, and then maybe it'll shift next year. Um, and those rookies and Sean Ryan and Zach Tom will more likely find their way onto the field on the inside offensive line. Uh, but you never know with injuries as well. So with that, let's go ahead and move on to the defense. So this defense runs a primarily three, four scheme. So you have three down linemen, four linebackers with the outside guys being edges and, uh, going down from the free safety here, Darnell Savage is your starter solid enough. Dallin Leavitt comes over from uh, Las Vegas Raiders there, and then Scott Vernon, and then strong safety. Adrian Amos is your starter, came over from the Bears a couple years ago. Sean Davis, and then Tariq Carpenter, your rookie there, seventh-round rookie. Your cornerbacks, Jair Alexander leading out the room, and then Eric Stokes came on really strong last year as well. Rasul Douglas, and then Rico Gafford, Clondre Thomas, and Shamar Jean Charles. And inside linebacker, Devondre Campbell, uh, you know, obviously solid there. And then your rookie, Quay Walker, round 122. Isaiah McDuffie, and then Chris Barnes. And then outside linebacker, slash edge, we have Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith as your starters. And then Kingsley uh, Enagbare, your fifth round rookie there. And Ladarius Hamilton. And then at defensive line, you have Jerron Reed came over from Kansas City to be a starter there. Then Dean Lowry and Devontae Wyatt, your other round one pick, who uh, I would not be surprised to see starting pretty quickly. Um, then Jack Heflin as well. And then at specifically nose tackle, you have Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, and Jonathan Ford, your other rookie. And special teams, your kicker, longtime kicker, make Mason Crosby. Uh, no reason to get rid of him yet. He's still doing his job well. 
And then punter Pat O'Donnell came over from Chicago in the offseason as they moved on uh, with a brand new draft pick. And uh, so, yeah, this defense and the special teams, really, really solid. Um, I think that you're looking at it, you got solid starters pretty much across the board. Um, I think you're one or a couple questions, I should say. Defensive line, you know, you're starting somebody new. That's always a question. And uh, Jerron Reed came over from Kansas City. So we'll have to see exactly how that works out for them, especially early. And, uh, you know, that line getting that chemistry. And then at inside linebacker, uh, right now you are projected to have Devondre Campbell, but then also Quay Walker out there as a starter as well. Um, and inside linebacker is not necessarily one of those positions that, uh, you know, people can come in and just play at full capacity immediately. Um, obviously, Quay Walker, a very talented player with, with experience over there at Georgia. Um, so we'll have to see, you know, what his case specifically ends up being. Uh, he's certainly got the talent to start. Um, it's just going to be a matter of his development and uh, how quickly he can, uh, you know, get in there. And I, I believe that Devondre Campbell, I might be wrong, but I believe that Devondre Campbell calls the defense. So, and if it's not him, it's probably one of the safeties. Um, so I don't think that that uh, responsibility is going to be put onto Quay Walker in his first year at the very least, maybe later on, um, you know, if he plays well enough and he's that kind of guy. But, uh, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily going to be something he has to worry about year one. But, you know, overall, that defense is looking really solid. You lost a, a couple cornerbacks, but it's really hard to complain about that cornerback room when your first three are J.R. J- Alexander. Oh, my gosh. Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, and then Rasul Douglas, who are all solid players. Um, and in particular, Jair and Eric uh, have been really, really solid. Uh, you know, especially Eric Stokes last year came on. And I expect him to have another good year this year. So with that, let's move on to the storylines for this team. First of all, wide receiver Exodus plus Robert Tanyan and Christian Watson on the pup list. Will Aaron Rodgers have enough weapons, especially early in the season? Um, and yeah, we you know addressed this a little bit. Um, obviously, I don't necessarily expect Christian Watson to be that guy in his first year. Um, and but the being on the pup list, you know, in your rookie year in training camp when you're trying to get better trying to progress, especially for somebody like him who needs that. Um, You know, never your uh, top outcome, Um, but I'm sure he'll be fine. And then Robert Tanyan, yeah, it's just going to depend on how much time he misses. Uh, That tight end room really does look a little bit weak without uh, him there. It looks a lot better with him there. So we will have to see exactly how that plays out. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that's a legitimate question. If you're talking about a room, you take Christian Watson and Robert Tanyan out, right? say they're missing at least a couple games, you're looking at a wide receiver room of Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and then your rookie Romeo Dubs and the rest of the guys. Okay, And then in tight end, you're looking at Mercedes Lewis and Josiah DeGuara. And I mean, I get that, you know, uh, like a, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, like a high tide raises all boats. I get that. I understand. Um, but that's, at least on paper, you're already kind of cringing at that. Um, so, you know, we'll just have to see what he can make out of that if they end up bringing in a free agent. Um, I feel like if they were going to do that, they probably already would have done that, and I don't think they have a ton of cap room to work with anymore at this point. Uh, so, yeah, we'll just have to see how exactly that plays out, but that could be a legitimate question for this team. Number two, lots of offensive line change and vets starting training camp on pop list. 
can this offensive line maintain good form with new faces? Um, and yeah, we've talked about you know the Packers and their history of developing offensive linemen. They've been really solid at it. You know, but at the same time, this is a situation where your two best starters on that line are injured and not in camp right now, not uh, practicing. And then the rest of the guys, you do have some solid faces on that line, and people have, have uh, been there before. You know, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, all those guys are incumbents. Um, but in some of those depth spots, your swing guys, th- those guys are gone. Um, and you've got some guys that are gone. Uh, you know, I mean, like, uh, you talk about, uh, if I can find him here, Lucas Patrick was huge for this Packers offensive line, uh, played some center, played some guard. Um, and especially on that inside, you know, he was an established veteran who could uh, solidly play those positions. And while they do have rookies uh, that we talked about in Sean Ryan and Zach Tom who project to be those types of players, like a Lucas Patrick, like a Billy Turner, they may not necessarily be that right now. So, again, another potentially valid question, especially early in the season. Number three, some big defensive losses, but also big additions uh, with some high ceiling rookies that may not contribute to their fullest in year one. Will it be enough to keep that defense working on all cylinders? And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we went over the defense. I think that overall, because you're only depending on two positions, you're depending on defensive line with that new starter from Kansas City and Jerron Reed, right? And then you're depending on inside linebacker with Quay Walker and that rookie, um, you know, I think really, and then you can make an argument that at cornerback, because in today's league, you need so many defensive backs out there at one time, maybe you can say that they could have some extra depth there. Um, but I just, I have a hard time complaining about this cornerback room with those top three guys in it. Um, so yeah, I, I think this defense is going to be pretty good, pretty okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, round, or the number four one, overall, Packers Brass has done a great job of keeping the overall roster intact despite handing out some big paydays this offseason and letting some other big players go. And I mean, you know, obviously you talk about the gigantic Aaron Rodgers contract that got done. Um, I believe they extended Robert Tanyan as well. And then they handed out a couple more. Uh, Jair Alexander as well got a payday. But that did mean uh, that they had to let go of some players. Uh, you know, we talked about those offensive line uh, linemen that they could have kept around potentially. Uh, just wasn't the money to do it. Uh, you know, you talk about, um, obviously, Devonta Adams, wide receiver, and all those guys. I mean, you know, we'll just have to see how it works out for them. But just at least credit to Brian Gutekunst uh, and that Packers staff for uh, going over this roster, keeping the the large majority of it intact. And although you did lose some big players, uh, I think that they have enough around everywhere else that uh, they're probably going to be pretty good. I think the biggest loss impact that you're going to see, at least early, is Devonta Adams. Um, And just because you can't replace that connection with Aaron Rodgers that he had uh, and the, the sheer talent. I mean, you're talking about, you know, if not the best wide receiver in the league, top three, four. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, a good enough job of them. You never want to lose any big players. You wish you could keep everyone. But uh, if at least the opposite thing that you don't want to do is commit too much money to too few players, and then the rest of your roster suffers. And uh, while that may be the case going forward, 
uh, years later on after this Aaron Rodgers uh, contract and the Jair Alexander contract and all that, that could potentially end up being the situation for the Packers. At least right now, they've kept themselves in a competing uh, position. And, uh, you know, that going into an offseason where we didn't know if the Packers were going to still have Aaron Rodgers and even be in the conversation anymore, um, I feel like coming out of it on the other side with what we've just gone through is pretty good. So thumbs up, Brian Gutekunst. And then moving through their schedule here, their 2021 record last year was 13-4. and Solid enough record for sure. So let's get right into it. Week 1 at Minnesota Vikings. That's a win. Week 2 versus the Chicago Bears. I have that as a win. Week 3, you are at Tampa Bay to face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. That's a loss. Week 4 versus New England Patriots. That's a win. Week 5 versus New York Giants in London. That's a win. Week 6 versus the New York Jets. That's a win. Week 7 at Washington Commanders. That's a win. Week 8 at Buffalo Bills. I view that as a loss. Uh, I think that'll, that'll be a pretty competitive game, though. Same thing with the Buccaneers game. And Week 9 at Detroit Lions. That's a win. Week 10 versus the Cowboys. That's a win. 11 versus Tennessee Titans. That's a Thursday game and a win. Week 12 at Philadelphia Eagles. Win. Week 13 at Chicago Bears. Win. Week 14 bye. Week 15 versus Los Angeles Rams, a loss, but that's going to be a big one as well. Uh, and that is a home game for them as well. And then week 16 at Miami Dolphins, that's a win. Week 17 versus the Minnesota Vikings, win. And then you finish off your season, week 18 versus the Detroit Lions, win. So with that, uh, that brings us out to a record prediction for 2022 of 14-3. One more win than last year. Um, and, you know, I kind of questioned my own result because I was like, they have these losses, uh, big losses nonetheless, a lot of offensive linemen, you know, Zedarius Smith, Devontae Adams. But that that roster really, really looks solid and mixed with a, a, a schedule that uh, isn't super harsh. Um, I think that that's a pretty reasonable record. So uh, some of my thoughts on this schedule. Number one, easier first two games to ramp up into week three at the Bucks. Some time for the Packers to work out their offensive line and wide receiver questions, hopefully. So yeah, I mean, you look at those first two games, you're at the Vikings, right, to open the season, and then you are at home versus the Bears. Um, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears, that's the whole thing. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I expect those to be wins. I think that uh, in theory, with the strength of the roster, the Packers shouldn't need to you know, not, not, not need to try that hard, but like it shouldn't be a a super competitive game on either of those accounts. So that presents an opportunity for this team to start off uh, easy, start off fresh and be able to kind of work in with some of those new faces, get the offensive line, some experience without getting them absolutely shredded by uh, top tier pass rushers. Um, And, you know, I mean, yeah, the Vikings and Bears do have pretty solid pass rushers, but it's better than going up against the Buccaneers in your first game or the Bills in your first game or one of those top contenders. So my second thought here, not many super tough teams sitting in their way. Only teams on schedule with an established top QB are the Bucks, the Bills, the Rams, and then maybe, maybe Dallas. If you want to com- uh, compare Dak and put him in that conversation, like, Okay, 
like fine, I'll accept that. But I do view or do view the Bucks, the Bills, and the Rams as by far the hardest games uh, on their schedule and by far the best quarterbacks uh, on their schedule. I mean, just to kind of run through it one more time, just to kind of stress it is you're facing the Vikings with Kirk Cousins, Bears with Justin Fields, Patriots with Mac Jones, Giants with Daniel Jones, you know, Jets have an up up and coming uh, quarterback, obviously in Zach Wilson, but he's not one of those top tier guys right now. Washington Commanders with Carson Wentz. Bills is Josh Allen, so yes, good one there. Detroit Lions with Jared Goff. Cowboys with Dak. Again, fine if you want to put him in that conversation. Uh, And then, you know, the Titans uh, with Tannehill there. The Eagles with Jalen Hurts. The Bears again. Then your Rams game with Stafford. And then Tua and the Dolphins. Kirk again and the Vikings. And then Goff again and the Lions. Like, that's not stiff competition. I'm sorry. <laughs> We've gone through a lot of schedules, you know, going through all of these teams. Uh, this is one of the easier ones, and it's for one of the better teams in the league. So um, had they had one of the tougher schedules, I think that it would be reasonable to expect a uh, step back considering the losses on this team. But because of just how much of a – I don't want to say cakewalk because there's a lot of these teams are not easy teams to beat. They have solid rosters, but I think in today's NFL in particular, there's teams that don't have a quarterback, and there's teams that do have a quarterback. And the Packers have a quarterback, and they have a really freaking good one. And so it's hard for me to choose the Packers or choose like the Lions over the Packers when you go first to that quarterback matchup and it's Jared Goff versus Aaron Rodgers. And you're like, okay, <laughs> so Lions are already working at a disadvantage here. And then you talk about the worst roster in that case. And, I mean, you talk about someone like, let's say, like the Dolphins with a stronger roster or the Jets. A stronger roster, a better, more upside quarterback, right? But you're still not looking at one of those top guys. You know, you look at the playoff matchups last year. You talk about the Bills versus the Chief game, uh, and that came down to the two superstar quarterbacks. You know, you're in overtime. They, both of those defenses are injured at that point in the playoffs. They're tired. Uh, you know, they just played a super long game against these crazy good quarterbacks, right? Running all over the field. The Bills were missing their top cornerback as well uh, during that game. And it came down to Patrick Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen going back and forth. And then it went to overtime. And Josh Allen didn't get an opportunity to uh, drive down the field, but Mahomes did. And the defense was just too tired at that point. And, you know, we can talk about that whole conversation with overtime and all that. But at the end of the day, that's where the league is right now, is if you don't have one of those guys, you can't even be in one of those games. You're going to get to face the Chiefs and you're going to be down by 20 points. You know what I mean? And so, like, not to say that one of these teams that doesn't have a top quarterback can't win, but it's just a completely different conversation. And as coming from a Broncos fan who's just gone from not having a quarterback to having a quarterback, and there's there's an we haven't even played a game yet, <laughs> and there's an instant difference. You know what I mean? In just like the way that you view the team and their ability, because the quarterback is so 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 important in football. So, um, yeah, I mean. I know I kind of went on a tangent on that one, but I, I think that's very valid, and I think that that's uh, the primary reason why I chose the Packers over the majority of these teams on their schedule. 
And um, yeah, I mean, so I think the last one here, schedule thought their hardest games by far are the uh, are also away games uh, in the Bucks and the Bills, and home games versus those teams would lean closer to uh, wins for me for them, um, or for the Packers, I should say. Uh, if you're facing the Bills or the Bucks at home, you know, obviously you have Lambeau Field. That That is an advantage at that point. Um, but those teams are close enough to the Packers that I feel like going to, uh, you know, New York and the Bills, going to Tampa, uh, among other things, I think that that is going to be their downfall in those games. Uh, but, you know, if you lose to the Bucks and the Bills uh, and then end up 14-3, and you know, I'll take it. So, uh, yeah. That is about going to do it for the Packers today. Uh, you know, thank you guys for bearing with us here. Obviously, I know this is a little bit different schedule than uh, what we're used to, uh, but hopefully you guys enjoy this, and uh, hopefully it'll tide you over until the end of the week here, and then uh, we'll hit you guys up with episodes 21 and 22 at the same time. So with that said, that'll do it for this edition of the Mile High Bite Show. Make sure you guys find us on social media. Our Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube is at Mile High Flight Show. And our Twitter and merch on Redbubble can be found at at MHFS Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys later.